This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my amazing service dog, Lovey. And we're so excited to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, we are welcoming two guests to the show. We have George Tarver III and Rudy Cabrera, and they are part of the Memorial Herman Life Flight Team that's located in Houston, Texas, and they are a part of Memorial Herman Life Flight's new canine casualty care course and their transportation service that was actually launched in December of 2020, making Life Flight the very first air ambulance service in the United States that provides training, treatment, and transportation for injured canine officers, which we love that. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome George and Rudy to the show. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EasyPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so happy to have George Tarver III and Rudy Cabrera with us today. Hello, gentlemen, and welcome. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. Yeah, we're so excited that you guys could be here today. And first of all, congratulations on your new canine casualty care course and transportation service. And George, tell us about what you and Rudy are doing as part of Memorial Herman's Life Flight. What's your job these days? So my uh, official uh, job title, I'm senior flight paramedic and a clinical educator with Memorial Herman Life Flight. And uh, myself and Rudy, we head up our canine program. Yeah, so Rudy, what is the canine program? Well, the canine program was brought about initially when uh, Dr. Duke was our medical director. Uh, He always had a fund for dogs and canines themselves and uh, wanted us to try to come up with something that we could provide care, treatment, transport to teach educational needs for these uh, officers that are on four legs. So about 2015 and 16, George and I, we sat down and said, well, let's get this vision together and going, develop a program that is reputable and that would help uh, provide the teaching, training, and care that is needed 
for the canine officer. That is so awesome. Well, George, how did you guys get it started? I mean, that back in 2015, that's been a few years that you guys have been working on this. Yes. So we had to actually go through several different steps to get the program started. One of the first steps was to make sure uh, that the state of Texas would allow us to treat and transport canines. And once we finished with that first step, then we started developing the education portion of the program where we actually would go out and train the canine handlers in uh, first aid trauma care for their injured canines. And the third step was uh, working through the hospital, the legalities of uh, transporting a canine. And then the final step was working with our local veterinarians to develop protocols and guidelines and last crew members to be checked off and competencies as far as caring for the canines and transporting the canine. Oh, I love it. Well, that's what I was wondering, George, is did you start the transportation service before you did the course or were they both simultaneous? We actually started the uh, training course for the local canine handlers first, and then just uh, within the past year, recently developed the transport guidelines for the canine. Yeah. Well, Rudy, when you transport the canines, do you, I mean, because you're going to the hospital, so is, tell us a little bit about the protocols of how you do that and how you work with veterinarians. So, that, that was a big part in uh, putting together in that we established contact with the veterinarians that are uh, capable of caring for canines. Uh, we did learn that there were certain veterinarians that are only capable of caring for the canine officers. Uh, these veterinarians already know these canines within the Houston area and amongst other uh, law enforcement groups. So the key was how can we uh, get our staff nursing and paramedics that are used to uh, caring for humans trained in caring for the uh, canine. So with the uh, involvement of these uh, four institutions, specifically two groups, canine physicians within uh, Houston, Dr. Chopley and Dr. Uh, Seeley, we were able to launch the program where we had our crews go out to the facilities, uh, work side by side with these physicians and technicians and learn care for the canine. And of course, it's different, uh, you know, starting IVs, uh, maintaining uh, airway, and how we uh, care for them, much, much different, but similar in some aspects of trauma and how we care for patients. Uh, medications, learning about different dosages and uh, procedures that we could use to help uh, stabilize the canine, and then in that point, uh, transport them to their emergency facility where they can receive uh, uh, extended care by the physician. Yeah. So, George, how did the doctors and nurses respond when you started talking about this with them? Were they were they ready to do it or were they a little skeptical? Actually, it was a very positive response. And uh, from the crew aspect, everyone uh, was excited to be involved in the program, involved in the training. So we never experienced any negative responses from the crew, our physicians, the veterinarian community. Everyone was very positive and uh, was ready to launch the program. 
That's wonderful. And how could they not? I mean, that's such an amazing contribution that they're making of being able to care for these canine heroes and for the work that they're doing. To be so responsive to them is just is awesome. And so help me to understand when they when you guys transport a canine officer in need of medical attention, do they get it right there at your hospital or are they transported to an emergency vet clinic after you guys get them to the hospital? What does that look like? So basically, the if a canine is injured in the line of duty, that uh, particular law enforcement agency handler would make a call to our emergency dispatch. They would advise our dispatch that they have an injured canine and the closest appropriate aircraft would be launched to go out to the scene to transport the canine back to uh, two local veterinarian clinics that we have here in the Houston area. So the injured canine is actually transported to uh, one of these two clinics that are staff 24 hours a day with two veterinarians and they have surgical capabilities, everything that's needed to save the canine's life. So that is the process that we have in place here. That's wonderful. So wonderful. Well, Rudy, are you guys staying really busy with calls and transporting canine officers? How has that been with your demand? Well, since December First, when we implemented the actual transport, we have not had one transported yet. Are we ready? Yes, we are. We have a special uh, trauma bag that's called our canine IFAC. And that in that bag carries all the essential equipment that we need uh, for caring for that canine. I think there's about 75 canine deaths a year. Approximately about 30, but 30. the injuries are much higher. Yeah, injuries are, uh, I guess I should say injuries would be higher than saying 75, but, uh, you know, we hope not to have to. That's a good thing. Yes. I'm glad that you haven't been honestly, but, but yeah, 30 deaths is a lot a year. So you can imagine the, uh, training these, uh, uh, canines go through the protection they give to their fellow officer next to them and to the public around us. Their job is very high quality and they're needed out there to help protect people. Yes, they are, Rudy. Yes. They have a huge role in law enforcement. And I would say myself and George, we felt that they just weren't given the actual uh, magnitude of care uh, and uh, to know that, you know, what their job roles are what they provide. So why not help these uh, canine officers? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as you said, I mean, they are so highly trained and such an asset to law enforcement every day. I mean, every second of every day. So yeah, I could not agree with you more. And when I heard about your program, I was so excited to have you guys on the show because it is groundbreaking and innovative. And yet it seems like a no brainer that it should have been happening already because of the level of danger that these animals are in every day and their likelihood that they could be injured. And those numbers that you said are really, you know, that is that brings that to our awareness. You know, every now and then I, I will see something about an officer that was a canine officer that was killed in the line of duty. But to think about 30 of them every year, that's really a lot. 
So I'm so glad that you guys are doing this program. And I'm also glad that you haven't been called out in the early months of of it. At least that's good so that we haven't had any canine officers that have needed it. But what area do you guys, how far can you go to respond to a a officer, canine officer? Well, our main base is here in the city of Houston. So basically 150 nautical miles from our base here in the city of Houston, we can transport canines. And I just want to add that I think with the training that we're providing to the handler uh, has a lot to do with probably why we hadn't been called because since we started the program, the education side, as far as training the handler, we've uh, conducted and trained over 500 handlers in emergency canine care. So some of those handlers have we've spoke to uh, recently who actually their canines were injured, but they were able to apply care of what we taught them. And I think that has a lot to do with why we hadn't been called to transport a uh, canine yet. Oh, George, that's excellent. That is excellent. And that's exactly what you want, right? That is such a, a more cost effective and and quicker approach for these canines to get them the help that they need immediately instead of having to wait for a transport. So that's perfect. Well, we want to hear more about that training and have some questions for you about that. So let's just take a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we'll come back and keep visiting um, with George and Rudy about their wonderful new canine program, canine officer program. So come right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with George Tarver III and Rudy Cabrera. Um, They're part of the Memorial Herman Life Flight team in Houston, Texas. And they're sharing with us about their amazing new canine officer transport program and their awesome canine casualty care course that we just started talking about before the break. And wow, George, you said 500 emergency provide first responders have been trained. Are those all just law enforcement officers or who all are part of that 500 that you guys have trained? So majority of those uh, are canine handlers. I would say that the number of canine handlers that we train is pretty close to 400 and the remaining would be fire and EMS personnel. 
Perfect. Wow, that's wonderful that you're, oh, gosh, I want to be trained in that as a handler so I can know for lovey. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. How long is the training? We have different classes. So if we are doing training for just law enforcement, the canine handler, that class is typically seven hours. And we really concentrate on the top 10 potential uh pillars for the canine in the line of duty. So we really concentrate on any type of trauma injuries, heat-related injuries, poisonings, uh, overdoses, things of that nature. And the second class option we have is for fire and EMS, where we spend a little bit more time uh, talking about advanced vet care, uh, IVs, medications, airway uh, interventions, uh, and that class is usually about uh, eight hours in length. Oh, that's wonderful. And Rudy, do you guys, do they get like a an emergency kit that goes with that, with your training? Is that part of it with, with any supplies that they might need for some of these, these interventions that you're training them to perform? So you, you would find this very interesting. A lot of them did not have kits. For their canine, kind uh, of gradually started growing. When we first started, we started providing kits to uh, all the officers or the canine handlers with the essentials in that kit, which it, we called it a canine IFAT kit. But since our program has grown greatly, it uh, it's kind of hard to keep supplying them with the uh, kits. Uh, we instituted a uh, Part of the program that we can take funds and help build kits and uh, small kits that all the officers can get at no charge. And uh, that way they carry all the essentials with them. But there were some officers that did have canine kits, but had never understood what was in there or how to use it. So with the program that we provide, and again, uh, you know, it's to teach, uh, train, treat, and transport we can teach them how to use those uh, devices or gauze or bandages or medications they need to give to their canine in the event of an emergency. So uh, that's kind of what the way we, George and I came across the, uh, the four T's, you know, to teach them, mm-hmm. to train them and transport. So if you look at the, a dog's paw, right, it has four pads and we can put T's across that to kind of identify what we do for those uh, canines. I love it. Well, and George, so how have you guys funded this program and, and the kits and things like that? What have you been doing for that to fund it? So some of the funding comes from donations. So typically when we uh, teach a class, there is no charge to the officer or the fire and EMS. What we ask is they can make a donation of any amount. And the rest of the funding comes from uh, Memorial Herman Lifelight. Uh, we are a nonprofit uh, hospital-based system. And so a lot of it comes out of pocket. Uh, and this is something that, again, Dr. Duke uh, had a vision of, and we're just continuing his legacy of providing education and transport for these agencies, because a lot of these agencies don't have it in their budget. They can't afford to send their officers to some type of training. So again, a lot of it comes from donations and also from within our department. 
Wow. You guys have done so much without having a formal line item and a budget and some kind of, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's just so wonderful that you've been able to do that through donations and through being really innovative. Wow. I love it. Cause I was wondering if you were getting law enforcement, any kind of grants or any kind of funding from law enforcement agencies, but it sounds like you guys have just been pulling it together and making it happen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you guys are amazing. It's wonderful. Well, and so how often are you doing courses? Are you just doing it based on when people invite you or do you have a schedule well, initially, it was based on the invitation and word of mouth as, uh, as it spread out through the community. It's increased. Now, uh, you know, George and team may be teaching you know, three classes a week, and they're starting to line up in future dates uh, where we're leaving outside of the city to go put on these classes. So it's like a grapevine. It's spreading. <laughs> Everybody understands the need for the care and the need for the learning of, uh, and helping the canine. So uh, it's a dedication that, that we've put amongst ourselves as a team and wanting to provide the help that is needed out there in the educational needs. And it's new for us as well. And we love it. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, I, I'm sure that it's uh, so much fun to get to work with the canines and to know that you're helping them and helping our first responders, our law enforcement officers. So yeah, um, George, are you guys now traveling all over the state of Texas and are you working outside of Texas with other agencies? Yes. Just like Rudy says, it's, it's almost like a grapevine effect. Uh, we're actually traveling uh, all over the state of Texas from the panhandle down to South Texas. We've actually traveled outside the state to Louisiana and we have some more classes that are scheduled outside the state as well. So it's, uh, it's keeping us very busy, but we're enjoying every moment. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm next door to you in New Mexico. So I would love to see you guys do some of this training in New Mexico for our, our amazing canine officers that we have in our state. Yeah. Well, I could see how people are just really really interested in this because as you said, it's such a preventative, your course is just such a preventative opportunity to not only save the canines lives, but to really save costs and be more efficient and effective of how care is administered. We, uh, we have canine mannequins that we uh, pack with us and you're allowed to do a lot of hands-on. So it's just not uh, a lecture or PowerPoint, it's actually hands-on and teaching you how to place your equipment, how to use it. We have uh, canine mannequins that actually bleed, uh, that are stabbed, how to carry them. We have one uh, mannequin that weighs about 110 pounds, I think, and that's like one of our heaviest mannequins. But yeah, we uh, they, they have the capability of showing them how to start IVs for our crews, their training, and how to do their airway. So definitely teaching you a skill that you get a lot of hands-on. And uh, George is, you know, he's, he's got a lot of EMS experience and law enforcement, and uh, he's a tactical uh, trainer medic. So he's had his hands in actual uh, involvement in care of the canine. So that played a huge factor in that, you know, we had this vision, but how do we put it all together? And with George's uh, expertise and uh, 
work with them, uh, we were able to implement all this. You know, he's become one of our lead instructors in this program, uh, which he's doing a, a, a great job. He said, you know, uh, many uh, organizations now are just reaching out to us. We hope to, it moves nationally. We don't want it to be anything that ever dies. Uh, you know, it could be a continu- continuous training modality year round, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, having to meet the needs of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm so glad that you guys have the state of the art equipment like your mannequins, where you can actually demonstrate some, some scenarios so that the officers can really have that experience in your training. That's so valuable. Wow. Well, I have to ask you, George, what experience or what comes to mind of an experience that you've had that really motivated you to create this this program from your experience in the field? I think the biggest factor is uh, before we started uh, putting on this program, uh, you would talk to a majority of handlers and you would ask them, you know, if your canine is injured in the line of duty, uh, you know, are you trained or do you know what to do to take care of that canine? And the majority of the time, the answer was no. Uh, basically, I've been told to put the canine in my uh, vehicle and drive very fast to our vet. And hopefully when we get there, you know, the vet can possibly save the canine's life. So I, I think that was the biggest driving factor for me. And, and by being in the field and, and seeing, you know, canines injured and basically no care was administered until they arrived at a veterinarian clinic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know when I got my first um, service dog, gosh, that's been 30 years ago. And we were just given some really basic information. But, you know, just what that meant to me, just that basic first aid information. And I have my own kit that I keep with me. I keep one in my vehicle. I keep one in my house, you know, just in case. But boy, I would love to be trained at the level um, that you guys are providing and really give some of that. Because, yeah, as we all know, every second counts when there's any kind of injury. And I love that, that you guys have created your program around four pillars, your teach, train, treat, and transport. I love that and how you designed it um, and how it's so comprehensive that you really are covering it from education all the way to that emergency type of intervention of the transporting. So it's just you guys are just doing a beautiful job with this and, and you're saving so many valuable canine officers' lives through your education and through these these crisis intervention services that you're offering the medical intervention. I love it. So how can somebody sign up to take the canine casualty care course? George, do they contact you or Rudy or is it on a website? How do they how do our listeners get in touch with you if they're interested? Well, uh, it's actually on our website. So if they go to the Memorial Herman Lifelike website, it's actually a canine tab located there that has all the contact information uh, if someone wanted to host the class. Awesome. Or, you know, if they were uh, interested in uh, coming to one of our classes, they would find that 
my contact information there. Okay, perfect. Well, we will make sure we have that on our website so that our listeners can access that and get in touch with you guys. Yeah. And then what does somebody do if they need your transport? I mean, is that something that officers in your area are educated about? Tell us about that before you guys have to go. Uh, yes. So during the course, uh, you know, we tell them and provide them information on uh, in the event that they need a, a canine to be transported. We've handed out cards that has five specific things we need. And the phone number is on the card that tells them who to call here at Life Flight, which is our dispatch center. At that point, they answer those questions, you know, uh, the injury the name of the dog, who's the carrier, uh, and then who is the veterinarian for that uh, specific uh, canine. And then at that point, the aircraft gets launched and arrives on scene, uh, shuts down, and then makes an assessment of the injured canine. And then after that, we load the canine, you know, provide an assessment and treatment, right? And we load the canine, and then we transport them uh, by air rapidly to that uh, designated uh, facility. Uh, I think one place I forgot to mention is uh, Texas A&M is also on group on our group on board with us that in the event, let's say we transport to one of the uh, emergency room facilities and they need more extensive care, we will transport that patient from that facility to uh, Texas A&M because they have a large veterinarian program. And we've made contact with them to accept those patients, and we would fly them there and deliver them uh, safely. Beautiful, you guys. Congratulations on this wonderful new program, your innovation, your insight, and your commitment to this. It's just so fabulous to see this. And, and I am just so grateful for you, for your commitment and your willingness to do this. Just thank you. So much gratitude for you too. And you two are going to be busy. I have a feeling you're going to be traveling all over the United States and probably outside of the United States before it's all over (laughs) when people hear about this and, and the wonderful model that you've established. And I love that you're partnering with Texas A&M. That's wonderful. And it does. It takes a partnership and a team of people to really make sure that we're providing the services that these canine officers so richly deserve. Yes. Thank you, too, for being with us today. And we'll definitely put your contact information on our website so that our listeners can find you. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you so much, our listeners, for being with us. We love for you to join us. And you know that I love seeing your emails and your photos of your canines. So please keep those coming. And you can always email me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Instagram. And we just love seeing your working dogs and the incredible work that they're doing every day. So thanks so much for being with us and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.